As stated earlier, we jump into a new sermon series today, going through the book of Philippians. And today we talk about advancing like Jesus, in particular advancing the gospel like Jesus, doing whatever it takes, whatever is necessary, suffering whatever is needed in order to advance the good news of Jesus Christ. Recently, a family that I uh, know personally, uh, the husband and wife discovered that their daughter had a tumor in her stomach. For any parent, this is just shattering news and filled with uncertainty right away when you hear about it. And so they went to the doctor, they got the care that they needed to, and they spent over five days or so in Memphis, Tennessee, which was far away from where they live. And they did whatever it took so that their daughter could receive the care that she needed, have that tumor removed, and praise God that it was, uh, they think, for uh, all signs point to it, being benign. And that the surgery went well. They were able to successfully remove everything, and things are looking good. There's a follow-up appointment the next weekend. But for them, that's a small price to pay, driving all that way so that they can make sure their daughter is well. In a situation like that, it seemed pretty obvious what a parent or family would do to make sure that their loved one is okay. They would do whatever it takes to make sure that was the case. When our son Judah was born, he had to go to the NICU for a few days, which is pretty small amount of time compared to what most parents spend in the NICU. But at that time, we had just, the birth before was our daughter, who we uh, lost and only had a short time with. And so we were already nervous and on edge. But this nurse that was taking Judah to the NICU, she said to us, this is not going to be like the last time. I read your file, and you're going to take your son home. He just needs to spend a little bit of time in the NICU. That reassured us that they were going to do whatever it took to make sure Judah could become strong and and be able to go home. Also, when you enter into the NICU, we had to do all of these different steps. We had to uh, put our phone in plastic bags that were sealed. We had to make sure we weren't bringing any germs, and we had to wash our hands, and they had these little plastic things where you could clean underneath your fingernails. It was a lot of steps. It was very painstaking and tedious, but we were willing to do that because it was a small price to pay to do whatever it took so that Judah could go home. Maybe you've had a situation like that in your life. In fact, I'm sure everyone has where it's a no-brainer to do whatever it takes to make sure that someone is okay, that someone is safe, or that you can make it through. Or with the economic times that we are experiencing lately, I'm sure there's lots of people figuring out how can I do whatever it takes to provide for my family. These types of situations are obvious to us, but when it comes to advancing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, we can sometimes be a little bit more tempted, I think, to choose things like comfort and familiarity and convenience over 
advancing the gospel with whatever it takes. Sometimes we're tempted to choose comfort over what it takes to advance or to proclaim the good news of Jesus. I mean, how many people do you know of when you ask them, tell me about yourself, that they respond by saying, well, I'm someone who embraces discomfort. I've never heard anyone describe themselves that way. Often we say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm funny, or they're funny, or they're easy to talk to, or they, they love life, they live large, um, they're uh, stubborn maybe, or persistent, or uh, loyal. We use those types of things to describe ourselves, and, and those are all uh, maybe, maybe except for being stubborn, I don't know. But being stubborn on the right things, but all those things are typically good qualities, but we never hear things like, I embrace change, or I embrace discomfort as a characteristic that is central to a person's life and personality. Because naturally, we want to take the comfortable way. We want to embrace comfort. If there's an easier way to do something that we feel is best, we're going to take that path of least resistance. But sometimes we're tempted so much by that comfort that we lose out on an opportunity to advance the good news of Jesus. Sometimes we're tempted to choose familiarity, which is very close to comfort. The joke that we have often heard, at least in Lutheran circles, and there is an iteration of this joke in all sorts of different uh, areas, how many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? Change? You know, and we, we laugh because it's, there's a lot of truth to that. But it, it, in all honesty, it could be said about anybody. It's not just Lutherans. It could be said about anyone in the church or anyone even outside of the church because humans naturally are going to resist change. We are wired in many ways to go with what's comfortable, what's a little bit easier, or what's more familiar. But when we think about it, Christians should actually be the ones most willing to be adaptable to change. Because after all, we have a hope that never changes. We have a hope in Jesus Christ, a Savior, a God, who never changes in His character. And therefore, thinking in that way, shouldn't we be able to adapt to changes or at least navigate our way through the changes because we have something, a hope in Jesus that never changes. Sometimes we're tempted by convenience over the opportunities to share the love of Christ to advance His gospel. We often respond uh, with different opportunities by saying, well, I'm busy. But I once heard somebody say, say no to busy and yes to boundaries. Think about how can we create boundaries that protect the most important things in our lives. Are we prioritizing those tasks and those areas of our lives that are most important, the, the areas that have to do with advancing the gospel? How can we say, Yes, to certain boundaries so that we can 
be more available to opportunities to have conversations, to build relationships, to serve someone, to get to know people in our neighborhood, to meet somebody new that we haven't met before. How can we embrace those opportunities? In the book of Philippians, Paul is writing to the church in a city known as Philippi. It's kind of in the area of what we know as today as Eastern Europe. And it was a Roman colony filled with lots of retired Roman soldiers and lots of Roman citizens, of course. And this idea of citizenship and nationalism, pride in one's country and one's uh, government, was very prominent. The people of that Roman colony in that city of Philippi were very patriotic. Paul wrote this letter toward the end of his life. He wrote it around 60 A.D. and uh, many estimate that he died in 68 A.D. But he wrote it while he was imprisoned. He wrote it while he did not have comfort or familiarity or convenience But instead, he wrote it from prison. And he wrote it to advance the gospel. Because he wanted to emphasize to the Philippians, the church in Philippi, that following Jesus and living out the story of Jesus is more important than anything else in the world, including one's citizenship to Rome. In the book of Philippians, we find several short stories examples, essays, even a poem at the middle of the book that talk about what it means to retell the story of Jesus by living that out as an expression in our lives, which is why the subtitle for this series is Living Like Jesus. That's what the book of Philippians is all about. It gives us different ways to live out our lives like Jesus. And we retell Jesus' story, Paul says, by living like him. That's why Paul wrote the gospel to the Philippians, and that's why we have this gospel today. Because we're often tempted to embrace comfort and familiarity and convenience rather than take the opportunities to advance the gospel, but we have a God who is the God of advancing the gospel, whatever it takes. See, Jesus came down to earth, and he chose to advance the gospel over comfort. He gave up his throne. First of all, he could have stayed there in heaven, ruling on his throne, being the Son of God, but instead he came down to earth to live also as a man, Jesus of Nazareth, to do whatever it took to take you out of the comfort that you felt in your sin to forgive you for the times that you and I, the times that we're tempted to choose comfort over the opportunities God presents to us. Jesus chose to advance the gospel over familiarity. See, a lot of times we want to make sure, and I want to make sure I say this right, we want to make sure that we say God doesn't change. Now what we mean by that is that God's character does not change. But I'm pretty sure God coming down as an infant 
and growing up as a human being in addition to God is a lot of change. He changed the world. After all, being a Christian is all about how God has changed us. And actually, we desire to continue to be changed. That's why we're here, isn't it? You walked in today, and you came because you knew you would experience change. I stood up there as God's representative. They were words from God, not from me, when we confessed our sins together. And suddenly, your sins were forgiven. You were changed. Our God is the God of those transformations and changes. He is the God over all change. But He does not change in His character. But He will do whatever it takes to advance His good news to you. Jesus chose to embrace the unfamiliar, to live a life like one of us, to break us away from our familiarity with this broken and fallen world in order to show us through His resurrection what He was leading us toward. Jesus, He chose to advance the Gospel over convenience. He was tempted by the devil to take the easier way. He was praying wholeheartedly in the Garden of Gethsemane before He died and he was burdened with the idea that he needed to embrace the inconvenient path. And he did exactly that. He embraced inconvenience by becoming the servant of all people. We see the most obvious example, example of this when he died on the cross so that he could take us out of our habits of embracing convenience of embracing those convenient sins and instead cover us with His forgiveness, won by the inconvenient that He went through. He did whatever it took to show us that living like Him may be inconvenient now, but in the end it leads to the very best thing for us. That living like Jesus, advancing the Gospel like Jesus, is the very best thing we can do. With Paul, he was in prison and he saw an opportunity to advance the gospel. He could have sat in prison and just moped around and done nothing. Or maybe just sat there and prayed to God that he would uh, get out as soon as possible. But he, I'm sure he prayed, but I don't think he prayed that he would get out as soon as possible. Instead, he was praying for the Philippians. He was praying that the gospel would be advanced. No matter what the cost, even if it meant he was in prison for years and years, even if it meant death for him. But it was clear to him that at that time, his opportunity to advance the gospel was to embrace his circumstance, his discomfort, his unfamiliarity, his inconvenience of being imprisoned and right and write a letter to encourage the Philippians to embrace their opportunities to advance the gospel. There is a church in St. Louis, Missouri, in that metropolitan area, that was called St. John's Lutheran Church. Pretty typical Lutheran church name. 
They did something pretty radical, though. Received a lot of criticism for it because they wanted to advance the gospel. This is why they did it, to advance the gospel to new people. They surveyed the community because they were considering changing their church name. Something as little as changing a church name in order to pique interest of new people, people who hadn't been there before. And they surveyed the community and asked them what kind of church name would would pique your interest, would cause you to be interested in maybe checking out this church. Now, we may not all agree with this method, but in the spirit of what Paul writes in the last verse of our passage today, he says, basically, I know there's a lot of different motives and ways of advancing the gospel, but no matter what, I praise God that the gospel is advanced. They ended up deciding on a name based on what they had received in their survey, and they named themselves Pathfinder Church. I don't even know if church is is after that. Now, that's a pretty big move. But they were willing to do something and, and face all that criticism in order to advance the gospel. It's just an example. Another example is right now. This week, in Houston, Texas, there's the National Youth Gathering. It happens every three years in the Lutheran Church. It's geared toward youth. And it's a big, big event. They are in Minute Maid Stadium where the Astros play. And there's 20,000 people. They bring in all the best musicians and speakers. And they have all these things that you can do where you can go to sessions and just soak up guidance and knowledge and encouragement from other people. And I was thinking about this. I mean, I saw all the posts on Facebook this week, and I kind of thought to myself for a moment, well, man, think about what we could do if we just used all that time and energy and that money and those resources maybe in a different way, maybe in a, a, a way that seems more direct in advancing the good news of Jesus to people who don't necessarily know him. But then I saw a lot of people posting and talking about how they were praying that week for even one single youth, one single young person to just have a life-changing experience. Because they're bringing in all the best people. They're putting together the very best gathering they possibly can to advance the gospel, even if it means to one person because they want to pray for that life-changing experience that it will be formative in the life of a young person or any person who attends. That got me thinking again and reconsidering it in light of this passage that they are doing whatever it takes to advance the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus, to try to foster the likelihood of a life-changing experience and praying that the Holy Spirit will impact somebody's life in an incredibly powerful way. Those are just a few examples of what it might look like to advance like Jesus. To advance the Gospel. We could come up with a lot of different ways, but in the end, it's about sharing the good news. As Paul writes in verse 18, as I mentioned earlier, he says, whether it's about 
done on pretense or even on truth, I praise God and rejoice that the gospel is advanced. And so may you go forth in the name of Jesus, casting aside by His power comfort and familiarity and convenience and seeking those opportunities to advance the good news of Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. At this time, I invite you to stand. And together we will confess our common faith today in the